are live once again coming to you from the city of brotherly love none other than philadelphia pennsylvania broadcasting from and hanging out in the wwdb 860 am studios You've tuned yourself in to another episode of the Health Coach Ev Show, where we are leveling the playing field around physical and mental health. What that means is we are bringing you the best ideas for what actually works for managing health issues, not just what has the most money behind it. By the way, I'm your host, Evan Transu, a.k.a. Health Coach Ev. You can reach out anytime or check out my work at evantransu.com. Well... Often enough, we got my girlfriend Fallon Morningstar hopping in, doing some ads with us and doing some co-hosting, but she was not available today. So we did get the equally as cool, but admittedly a little less pretty, my buddy Oliver. Oliver, how you doing over there? I'm doing great. <laughs> He's going to be helping us out on the ads, might be doing some co-hosting. We'll see how it plays out. We got a conversation that I know he can contribute to um, as well. So as time goes on, we'll see what happens. I'm glad to be back in the studio. I think I only had one new episode in the last uh, five or six weeks. I had some wisdom tooth trouble, but we are back in action, uh, and I'm happy to be here with you. We also have our second international guest ever today on the show, calling out of beautiful and sunny Mexico. Her name's Rayrin, Raywin Guerrero, excuse me, and she has lived and worked in London since 2001, currently hiding out in Mexico. She founded a virtual well-being practice, WellWorks, in 2017, which offers bespoke nutrition and psychotherapy programs for high-achieving executives to recover from burnout so they can feel energized, aligned, and unstoppable. Prior to 2017, she spent five years as the global, or excuse me, six years as the global well-being manager at a multinational bank developing group wellness programs for those struggling with 21st century chronic health conditions such as stress, anxiety, depression, IBS, back and neck pain, and obesity, things that we talk about all the time on the show, as you all know. In 2012, she introduced six-week mindful awareness workshops to employees with the aim of reducing stress and improving focus, clarity, and, and creativity, and facilitating regular balance at Barclays weekly drop-in meditations. This was especially a huge achievement at the time because meditation was very much taboo, as we all know if we're into this stuff still to this day, and we were in it before. She was a member of the all-party parliamentary group for mindfulness in the workplace from 2015 to 2016, tasked with making stress reduction and anxiety a priority for government policy and public health. And finally, at WellWorks, she now integrates personalized nutrition with CBT and meditation to bring about rapid transformation in the mental and physical health of individuals and organizations. Well, Ray, thank you so much for being here with us today. Hi, Evan. How are you? Thank you for that wonderful introduction. It was quite a, a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing well, thank you. And it would have been a lot better if I put my glasses on beforehand because Oliver's looking at me laughing right now because I stumbled over a few things because I'm like, why can't I see this well? And turns out needed the glasses. <laughs> but anyway, really cool. Uh, we had someone call out of Canada before, uh, Corey Firth, and now you know, getting a little south Mexico. So this is really fun to have an international guest. I'm glad we got everything figured out. Well, we'll start in the way that we always do on the show. Um, I like to know a little bit about the guests. I like the audience to know about them as well, because what I found, and I'm sure you've seen this too, is anyone that is in our space is not here by accident. They have a personal story, whether it's with themselves or a family member. And I know that's true for you. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Ray's background and some of the health challenges you saw in your family and then yourself eventually. Sure. So I guess the earliest thing that I was witness to was my grandfather's generalized anxiety disorder. And the way that the Western medicine model treated him was just to give him medication rather than talking therapy. So for 20 years, he had been on Valium. And what that ended up uh, doing to his brain, unfortunately, because being on any sort of psychopharmaceutical for that period of time will create um, 
uh, brain damage. So he ended up having multiple strokes and then suffered from vascular dementia, which led to what I think is a premature death because he could have lived for a very long time. But, you know, by the time and funnily enough, um, the anniversary of his death was yesterday. So it's kind of interesting that we're talking about him today. Um, And, you know, it was something that really struck me because I was extremely close to him. And it, it sort of prompted me to get into that world of psychology and wanting to understand what are the non-pharmaceutical ways that we can deal with mental health conditions? Why does it always have to be just take this pill? So that led me to, that's what brought me to London, actually. I wanted to study psychology and I went to university in the UK. And um, then things sort of evolved from there because then I started working in a bank and HR and very quickly realized that there were lots of people around me really struggling with all the symptoms of burnout and, you know, stress and anxiety. And uh, I decided to look at, well, what are some of the ways that I could help the people around me as well? Because the undergrad in psychology just wasn't enough. So I'd heard about hypnosis and hypnotherapy. And funnily enough, his death was the catalyst for me um, learning hypnosis and CBT, cognitive behavior therapy. And, uh, and I started using it on myself first and foremost, because I thought like, wow, I'm, I'm kind of having some issues here as well, like being in a very high stress environment. So when you work in an investment bank, um, things are, you know, go, 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 go all the time. And everybody wants everything yesterday. And there's always a fire <laughs> drill. And it's just sort of like a really, it's not conducive to like being healthy, to be honest, it's quite intense. So, um, so we had all these people around me working sort of like 12 to 14 hour days, you know, 60 to 90 hour weeks and, you know, not eating well, sitting at their desks and then um, wondering why, you know, they're picking out on certain types of foods and, uh, you know, foods that don't actually help with balancing blood sugar, which we now know is a huge component when it comes to mental health. So all of that led to my own IBS and my hypnosis and stuff could not help me with it. So I knew there had to be something else going on. Um, it wasn't just a psychological thing. So that's what brought me into the world of functional medicine because I kept looking and looking. And it took me about maybe about six years before I found a, a, a functional medicine practitioner to help me make sense of what was happening with my own body. And then from that place, I was able to start helping other people make sense of what was happening with theirs. Because then we saw that there was this bi- bi-directional relationship, this two-way relationship between the brain and the gut. And um, and you have you can't work on one without working on the other. So that, in a nutshell, is the story of how I ended up um, becoming, you know, a functional medicine health coach and now trained as a, a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. So cool. So cool. And one of the things that you mentioned, and I like to home in on this when we can, is that you said, you know, you just knew that there had to be something more. And I find this so commonly in the people in our space, like they just had like this gut feeling or they kind of knew something or maybe they had a family member with a background in this stuff. But to me... It seems because now I'm too far in. So it seems so logical to take a natural route and at least incorporate that to some degree, no matter what the cause of the mental health issues are. But, you know, a lot of people never think like that and they suffer for years. It's not like they're choosing to do that because they just never even think about the natural side of things or they don't believe in it. So, like, where do you think that knowing came from? Was that just like an intuitive thing or did you see other people around you? Like, I see I'm not familiar with how you know, a place like London would even do this. Maybe it's more widely accepted out there. So that could be a part of it. Where did you get that knowing that something, there, there's got to be something more here and that it's not just, hey, oh, well, I tried what I could and I'm stuck with this for the rest of my life because many people would just accept that. 
Yeah, I, I think that's, um, that's a really interesting question. And I'm thinking it's probably not because I was raised in London. I grew up in a very small place in the Caribbean called Trinidad. And when I was five years old, my dad was in a coma. And uh, the doctors didn't know what to do for him. They were like, there's nothing we can do. All you can do is just sit here and wait, you know, wait and pray. And they didn't know what was wrong with him. Um, you know, he had liver failure, kidney failure, had been operated on multiple times. And when he came out of that experience, and he did, he's still here with us, thank God. But he completely changed everything about his life. He changed everything about how he ate. He went, he was, he's not vegetarian. He was more like a pescatarian, but he gave up red meat, started only eating like plants and vegetables. And I think that was a very, I, I, it's really weird that we're talking about that today too, because I think in the past, I never really linked what had happened with him with how, um, you know, the way that my thinking had evolved. But now more and more I realize, like after seeing that transformation in him and how he suddenly started to thrive and flourish, and he was always asking questions about food. And he um, he ended up becoming a farmer. So he worked in, in uh financial services for a long time as well until he was sort of in his mid 40s and took an early retirement and then set up an organic farm. So I always understood <laughs> awesome. that food was I always understood that food was medicine that it could be well one man it could be medicine or it could be poison and when he changed the way that he was eating once he came out of that experience his life took off in a lot of ways you know he had more energy he was a very creative dynamic man. Um, still is to this day, you know, he's in his 60s and he is still growing food and, and trying to create all these micro gardens all over and encouraging people to grow their own food. He was lecturing at the University of the West Indies because he was one of the first organic farmers in Trinidad. So he was trying to lecture to the agricultural students how to, you know, how to not use pesticides um, on their foods, on, you know, on the crops. So, um, so he's always had that awareness, and I think that obviously trickled down to me. So I've, I've always been into eating organic food, like for, for decades, like even before functional medicine, mm. I always thought eating organic was the way to go because I knew, I knew what was in the non-organic food. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and that's actually a really interesting story. One, just because I've never met someone, I don't think at least that was, you know, actually born um, in the Caribbean. So very cool there. But number two is this idea that you were actually eating organic. And I mean, let's be honest, that is such a step above what the average person is doing, including myself before I got into this. But you still dealt with some of these symptoms. And I think that's where we really separate from a lot of other shows because, you know, People get discouraged sometimes because they're looking when I'm talking about stuff or I'm sure you've had this in your own life and they think it's like one thing. Oh, I just need to eat organic or I just need to do this or I need to run a gut test and everything's going to be fine. But we know it's kind of all part of a broader picture. So we'll talk about that broader picture soon. We got about three, four minutes before the break. Um, Just to go back and rewind for a second, I wanted to talk about maybe some of the specifics of what you dealt with because you kind of talked about in general having your own struggles with mental health. But just for the audience out there, because mental health is a broad thing. I mean, what was it uh, specifically that you were going through during that time? I think probably most of my life I dealt with anxiety, like a lot of anxiety. And I had a bunch of issues that contributed to that, like situational factors as well as like an underlying genetic component. So um, and and weirdly enough, I still have a few family members who've got really severe anxiety, who um, who are trying different things, who are trying meditation and trying yoga. And that has helped somewhat. But for me, I kind of really dealt with a lot of social anxiety to begin with. So that was in my teens. I was a very awkward teenager. Terrible social anxiety. You know, I had glasses, I had braces, I had scoliosis. I wore a brace, um, like a, a physical brace from my, from uh, along my entire torso until I was 18. So that was pretty traumatic being a young girl. I did that for five years. Um, 
So, you know, social anxiety was a huge component for me because I was very much like this weird kid at school. And then, you know, once I started working in the banking world, I had a lot of imposter syndrome issues, um, which led to um, tons of gut issues, um, panic attacks. Like I would always be really like, you know, just I'd always have this gripping, horrible sensation in my stomach that would just kind of like radiate upward toward my heart. I'd have, you know, racing heart, dry mouth. Um, and always feel quite unwell, like pretty nauseous most of the time. Like I never really felt like I wanted to eat a lot of the time because I just feel so sick. Um, so that was how it manifested for me. Um, you know, sometimes I'd wake up in the middle of the night with panic gripping me in my stomach, sort of like 3 a.m. Um, so panic attacks would probably be one of the most, the, I think probably the, the number one thing, but it was like this generalized anxiety. And I, you know, like I said, I've done my genetics now. I know that it's, it definitely exists like it's part of my makeup I've got my mother to do hers it's part of her makeup and now I understand that's probably what happened to my poor granddad like that was just you know genetically we did not we, we have the genes for that so um now the thing is just because you have the genes for it does not mean that you have to succumb to it so I've done so much work on making sure that I you know I've dealt or I'm dealing with managing it or even um, you know, reversing or eradicating it altogether. So, and I want, I want people to know that that's possible, that just because you've got the genes for something doesn't mean that you're stuck with it. So I hope, um, I hope that kind of answers your question. Oh, that was perfect. And then some, because I love that you brought up and finished with the genes part, because for the longest time, I mean, I just assumed my genes were messed up, but I was a believer, you know, genes load the gun, environment pulls the trigger. And I'm sure it's not that mm -hmm. simple, but I believe that at least in part. And I finally got genetic testing done. I mean, Ray, within the last couple of months here, because of our wonderful person at FDN, Piper Gibson, uh, she was on the show uh, several weeks back, I think in February. And I'm like, wow, go figure. My genes were absolutely out of whack, even though I still feel good. So it just goes to show what you said. Um, and then, of course, we'll talk about you hit on something interesting with your family members trying these different things. That kind of goes back to that broader picture of like, how do we address many different things at once? Because it's not just one thing. And we'll get into that and a whole lot more right after these quick commercial breaks. Tired of talk radio shows that are nothing but Trump, Trump and more Trump. Looking for something that actually has some relevance to your life. Then tune into the Pennsylvania Project. Hi, I'm Ken Krawchuk, host of the Pennsylvania Project. Our mission is to showcase the political, cultural, and environmental challenges facing contemporary Pennsylvania, and we're all about solutions. So tune in Mondays, 3 p.m. here on WWDB, 860 a.m. in Philadelphia. When the problem is same old, same old talk radio, the correct solution is the Pennsylvania Project. Hey, Oliver, how's it going? Not so great, Health Coach Ev. It's the holiday season. What? Shouldn't that mean you were merry and jolly? Well, I'd like to feel that way, but my family's coming to my house this year. That means I'll have to deal with my embarrassment of my dog, Skippy, jumping all over them as soon as they walk in the door. Ooh, that old Skippy. Hey, I have just the solution for you, though. Have you heard of Eric Katz with Cats, Dogs, Canine? Cats, Dogs, Canine? Yeah, Cats, Dogs, Canine. Eric Katz is a great friend of mine who has been in the dog business for years now. He offers doggy daycare, boarding, and training for Bucks in Montgomery County. The guy's got more five-star Facebook reviews than you can count, and he even won Best of Montgomery County for boarding and pet training. So you're telling me that Eric can get Skippy to finally stop jumping on people and embarrassing the heck out of me? You bet. I actually lived with Eric for a while, and I saw him fix issues like that in a matter of two to three weeks. The guy's a dog whisperer. 
Okay, okay, I'm in. Where can I find him? You can get in contact with Eric by heading over to catsdogsk9.com. Cats is spelled K-A-T-Z. That's K-A-T-Z dogs, the letter K, the number nine, dot com. And when you give him a call, tell him you know Health Coach Ev. And now it's time for the Health Coach Ev fact of the day. We talk a lot about the gut on the show and how the gut being healthy actually leads to us feeling great mentally. So what happens when we take a course of antibiotics, which kill off a lot of bad bacteria, but also take out much of the good bacteria along with it? They are so powerful, in fact, that one study which looked at the health records of more than 1 million Britons from 1995 to 2013 found that a single course of antibiotics boosts the risk of depression by around 25%. What is the solution here? One, always be asking healthy as as you can, as this will reduce your need for antibiotics in the first place. Two, make sure you're getting prescribed them for things that are actually bacterial in nature, as antibiotics are not meant for viruses such as those that cause the common cold. Finally, if you do have to take antibiotics, make sure you're doing things to address getting some good guys back in your gut. Your mental health will thank you. And we are back. Welcome to the Health Coach Ev Show, where we are leveling the playing field around physical and mental health. I'm your host, Evan Trantu, a.k.a. Health Coach Ev. We got my buddy Oliver doing a little co-hosting. And on the ads and calling out of Mexico is Raywin Guerrero. We're talking all about mental health, her personal story, some of the things that she learned in functional medicine. And then eventually we will be talking about how we can kind of change the system and do better as a whole. So, Ray, one of the things that we finished on was addressing that broader picture because you were someone... Uh, and this is something that actually comes up sometimes when I do interviews, but it is rare. You know, you were doing better than probably 90% of people just by the fact that you were aware of organic eating and that you had been doing that for a while. And yet here you are still dealing with these symptoms, the panic attacks, uh, the dry mouth. I love that you mentioned that, not because it's a fun experience, but because in ninth grade, I used to carry a water bottle around everywhere to every class and you weren't allowed to have water for some reason. So I'd get in trouble for this. They thought I was just screwing around, but it's because my mouth got so dry. And so I appreciate you bringing that up because that's one of the many symptoms of anxiety that I never correlated with me being anxious. And sure enough, it was. So a great point there. But getting into the broader picture, like when you started doing the functional medicine side of things, when did you start realizing, okay, wow, this is a lot more than organic. And what were some of the other things that you needed to incorporate? So fantastic question, because I want to also point out, even though I was eating organic, I was eating low fat, um, because that's what I thought was healthy, right? Um, and I wasn't eating meat, I was actually a vegetarian for a while. Um, and I was getting really, really sick and really tired all the time. So uh, when I found uh, functional medicine, I'd, I'd already started eating meat again, I was eating a lot more fish, I think I kind of moved toward being that sort of pescatarian model as well. And I, I still eat that way to this day. Um, but I was still at that point, I was still eating a lot of grains, I was having, you know, bread and croissants and coffee. And um, that was kind of like my breakfast every morning, it was like coffee and a croissant or coffee and a pen of chocolat. And that was how people lived in the banking world. And we'd have donuts at two o'clock and, and coffee again. So I was basically pumping myself up full of adrenaline with the coffee, um, which is no good for, um, for anxiety. Um, and, you know, sometimes I see people come to me and when I look at their intake form and I see that they're having, I don't know, five espressos a day and I'm kind of like, do you think maybe this might have something to do <laughs> with the fact that you're anxious all the time? 
Um, so I think people need to just kind of make that link, connect those dots that what they're putting in is going to impact what's coming out and how they're feeling. And um, for me, when I started working with a functional medicine practitioner, like I kind of went the whole paleo route. Um, you know, I started incorporating more fats. You know, I'd always kind of been taught to fear fat. But, you know, your brain is made up of about 60% fat. So you need to be eating fat. Um, a good fat, not crappy fat. So, you know, not trans fat. So good fat. So I started eating more fat and a lot more protein because most of all our neurotransmitters are made up of amino acids and that the building blocks of, of amino acids are proteins. So if you're not getting good, clean protein, how on earth are you going to be making serotonin or dopamine or, um, or GABA, the things that we need in order to, to be able to, to relax and feel happy? So I think I'd been very nutritionally deprived. So eating organic fruits and vegetables, yeah, that's great, but they weren't giving me what my body actually needed, which was that protein and that good fat. So um, I had a whole education or re-education on what was healthy because uh, I get people come to me all the time saying, oh, I, I eat really healthy. And then when you sit down and look at what they're eating, like they're doing like me, they're not having any fat, they're avoiding red meat. You know, I had one man refuse to eat red meat, like a man with eczema and a bunch of other things and his skin was super dry and he had terrible anxiety, but he just refused. He said, oh, I'm not eating it. It's bad for me because he, it had been so indoctrinated in him that red meat was bad for him, even though it has like some of the highest sources of omega-3s that you can find if you get obviously a good grass-fed organic um pasture-raised you know piece of meat so um he just wouldn't do it um I couldn't convince him he was happy to eat fish but even that like he's just like I don't really think eating animals is healthy but he had all these health issues and a lot of them were stemming from the fact that he was nutritionally depleted in so many levels so um you know, when I started working with my practitioner, you know, we ran gut health tests, we ran a cortisol test, you know, cortisol was not in a good place, like it was elevated at night when it shouldn't be. My, my waking cortisol wasn't too bad, that was within range, but the stuff that was happening in the evening when your, your cortisol is meant to, to drop off and your melatonin is meant to rise, mm -hmm. that wasn't happening for me, which is why I was having so much trouble with sleep. I wasn't sleeping well and I'd wake in the middle of the night. And of course, then we did the gut health test and I found, you know, parasites and all that fun stuff that goes along with um, the microbiome. And, you know, they become active at uh, sort of like two, three in the morning, which would explain why I was waking up at two, three in the morning in panic. So does that answer your question? Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> and one of the things that you said, which I know wasn't the main point, but I hear this over and over again, and, and you bring up a really good point for this conversation. And you're seeing these people on the intake forums and they're talking about they're eating healthy. Now, I mean, God bless them. They believe that they're eating healthy. It's not that they're lying or something like that. But this brings up, and I, I don't mean this in some provocative way or controversial way, but people ask me about this all the time, and I never really talk about it on the show. And that's just worth mentioning. And it's the COVID situation. Because people are referencing a lot of the times that, oh, well, guess what? There is a percentage of these people that are perfectly healthy, and they're just dying randomly from it. I'm like, well, let's define healthy. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. what does healthy actually mean? And I'm not saying COVID is not a nasty little thing. I mean, clearly it is. But let's define healthy because the latest stats show that 78 percent of the people that have been hospitalized for this are overweight or obese. So you got this 22 percent that, oh, since they weren't overweight or obese, they must be healthy. Well, again, mm -hmm. let's define that. Right. Like, what does that actually mean? Because I know a yeah. ton of people in our world who have gotten it, myself included, in early January. I mean, it was it was nothing. For me, and I, I don't know any yeah. other person that has gotten Likewise, seriously Likewise, by the way. Oh, you got it? Okay, there yeah. you go. Yeah, um, I had it in January for about maybe, it was sort of like I had a terrible headache, mm -hmm. uh, and I had just gotten off a flight, you know, because it was my honeymoon, and I got off a plane, and um, I had a terrible headache, and I thought it was linked to my cycle, um, and 
then about maybe seven days later, I lost my smell, but that was it. Like nothing else happened. And then I took like 225 milligrams of zinc and my smell came back in 24 hours. Oh, wow. So, you know, I didn't, and I just, I was just, when I realized like I lost my smell, I was like, oh man, I need to like up my vitamin D, start taking some more liposomal C and all that stuff. I didn't know that the headache was linked to that. I thought it was something else. I thought it was my cycle. So I had gone for a vitamin infusion and I had like 10,000 milligrams of, of, you know, intravenous vitamin C, um, which is what I generally do when I get off flights because I try to either get an infusion before I travel or an infusion after I travel. I couldn't get one before because I was in, I was in Mexico um, and I was flying back to the UK that's so and cool. I got off and I just called, I called my regular people who come and give me infusions and they, they, their offices were closed, but they were doing house calls. So I just got them to come over and give me one. So maybe that's why nothing really happened because I'd had like that giant infusion of vitamin C. I don't know. I, I but love that you do that before and after traveling anyway. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think, you know, I keep saying like, I don't get why vitamin infusions are not just part of like airports. Like you should be able to go in, you know how they've got chiropractors now in airports and massages and you can get your nails done. I'm like, can't you just get an infusion before you get on a plane? It's probably the number one thing you can do to prevent being sick or ill, you know, or just get an IV with some, you know, it's, you get hydrated in, instantly because, you're going to be, you know, losing um, water when you're, when you're airborne. Um, and it just helps with protecting from radiation as well, because that's the other thing. You're in an irradiated metal tube mm-hmm. very close to the sun, <laughs> you know. So you want to, like, protect yourself against those things. I have a whole protocol before flying anyway, like, that I do. Um, I take astaxanthin and probiotics and so very high-strength omegas um, to prevent inflammation and radiation, um, you know, protect me from radiation. So, um so that's, that's like another top tip for anybody who wants to travel, like get an infusion and, <laughs> and, uh, and make sure you're taking some high strength omegas before some astaxanthin in particular, which is, uh, it's krill, it's from krill oil. That's an awesome, uh, side topic there. It's pretty cool. And for those out there <laughs> wondering, because I, I heard an argument before with the plane thing, they're like, oh, well, the Faraday cage, you know, protects it from the radiation. Well, pilots have, I think it's like four times the rate of certain cancers. So I'm like, guys, there's still other aspects of radiation that, yes, we're not saying that you're literally melting, right? And that someone's going to die from flying a plane. But no, there, there's these stressors over time. And let's be honest, I mean, just the responsibility of that or the traveling, I mean, that is... I, I am always more tired, even after a two, three-hour flight. Um, now, Oliver definitely knows this. I don't like flying. I'm not a huge fan of it. And so that alone stresses me out. So I love that idea about the um, kind of getting the infusions of vitamins. I, I totally could do that. I've never even thought about it. So this is why I love these conversations. We're talking about one thing, mm-hmm. and then we end up getting a really great tip for something else. Um, okay, got a few more minutes before the break. So you had talked about, hey, you're finding these things like on the lab, such as the cortisol stuff or whatever, um, and the parasites. I know that this is probably more than a three or four minute conversation but i'd love if we could get a summary because i don't think it's come up before you know me and you when we hear oh well parasites and that it could lead to mental health that's like 101 in our world but for other people they'd Mm -hmm. be like a parasite like who has first of all who has parasites and second of all you know how does that cause mental health issues so is there like a simple uh simple summarized version of this and how this affects people so that the average person out there can understand that yes there are a lot of parasites out there a lot of us have them and they can cause mental health issues or contribute. All right. So 
some okay this is a rapid fire answer okay so <laughs> parasites can cause you to um well one they're sucking nutrients from you so whatever you're eating you're not getting it it's, you're not absorbing it because they're the ones that are eating it and absorbing it right and they're proliferating so they're spreading which is the gross part that's the bit that i think is the most disgusting um and then they're creating like leakiness in your gut as well because they're like attaching to all these different um you know to the epithelial layer um and so you you're getting this breakdown of the lining of the gut so food particles that are are not getting digested properly because you're not breaking down your food properly. They're slipping through the, that that mucosal barrier. The mucosal barrier is no longer tight. Those tight junctions no longer exist. So that's how leakiness happens, right? That leaky gut that we talk about. So leaky gut equals leaky brain because when you've got um, food particles and they become toxic when they start getting into your bloodstream, and then that can lead to um, brain fog. The other thing is that parasites—they're so gross. Like they how they move around. There's one in particular. I think I saw this the other day. Um, Dr. Dietrich uh, Klinghart was talking about this. If anybody wants to know, have a really in-depth view on what parasites do to you, Google Dr. Dietrich Klinghart. He has an amazing, like, I think it's about a 45-minute video on what parasites do, how they deplete vitamin B, um, which we need for ner- from balancing our nerves, right? Um, they deplete zinc from the body. So that's immunity right there. A um, couple other nasty things that they that they do, um, they can cause you to have a clenched jaw. Like when people come to me and they say, oh, I've been like grinding my teeth in my sleep. And I was like, oh, like classic symptom of parasites. Mm-hmm. I'm getting headaches because I'm grinding my teeth in my sleep. Um, classic parasite symptom. Some of the other things, you know, muscle twitching, strange muscle spasms, <laughs> which they're, they're attributing to like, oh, maybe it's a magnesium deficiency or something like that. Um, you can be losing magnesium because your body is under stress from trying to fight off the parasite, right? So your body's like in this constant state of fight or flight, which means that the cortisol is elevated. And then you start depleting and leaching minerals like magnesium, which keep you, um, which keep you calm uh, and help you relax. So parasites deplete your body of nutrients because they're the ones sucking the nutrients. And it's also impacting your immune system from while, they're, while it's trying to fight them off. So you're going to be depleted all the time. And um, you know, you probably will have issues with your hormones, probably issues with weight metabolism as well. Um, some people can lose weight very rapidly, but if it's a case of like a chronic condition, um, it can be like you're actually struggling to struggling to lose weight. So that's the short answer. Like, how does it affect mental health? It depletes nutrients. So things that we need to stay calm, like vitamin B, uh, and even for energy, you need vitamin B as well, and magnesium. That's like my short answer. I hope that helped. (laughs) You nailed it. Not only was that like perfectly within time, I think that was very insightful for the audience. And I actually, for me as well, because I had heard of that doctor, um, our second guest ever, Connie Guerin, actually just uh, went to him. And I know that she's very public about this stuff. That's why I'm sharing it. Um, So that's kind of cool that you brought him up and I'm going to have to check it out because I feel like I just have a lot to learn even with the parasite side of things. They're creepy little bugs and we definitely don't Mm -hmm. want them. So we're going to talk about that and a whole lot more right after these quick commercial breaks. If you're a parent who wants to understand the mental health challenges your child faces, then Lucas Wolf's new book, My Perfect Life, How Depression Almost Ended It and How I Found My Purpose Through Pain is for you. Through goofy, relatable stories, you'll see the world from the eyes of someone silently battling depression. More importantly, you'll learn how Lucas found hope and purpose through his pain. Get your copy of My Perfect Life today, available on Amazon by searching Lucas Wolf, and that's Wolf with an E. Hey everyone, I have a few questions for you. Are you listening to the show to better your own health? Have you tried changing your diet around? Maybe seen some results, but aren't quite where you'd like to be? 
Are you tired of playing guessing games with which supplements to take or being told that your blood work looks normal even though you certainly don't feel so normal? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then we have an amazing opportunity for you. Right now, you can be coached by a practitioner certified by the exact same program that Health Coach Ev always references as being the main contributing factor to restoring his health, functional diagnostic nutrition. FDN practitioners are a group are part of a group of elite health professionals who are highly skilled at identifying healing opportunities that no one else has uncovered for you. They use cutting-edge functional lab testing, and through these tests, they'll be able to show you the hidden causes of your chronic health concerns. For Ev, it was these FDM practitioners who were finally able to explain to him why he had dealt with over decades' worth of mental and physical health symptoms and what he needed to do in order to truly heal his body. There is a very limited number of people that can currently work with, and in fact, you may even have to hop on a wait list. Make sure you don't miss the next opportunity to work with one of these incredible professionals. Go to fdnthrive.com and click the Get Started Here button. That's fdnthrive.com and then click the Get Started Here button. And we are back. Welcome to the Health Coach Ev Show, where we are leveling the playing field around physical and mental health. I'm your host, Evan Trantu, a.k.a. Health Coach Ev. We got my buddy Oliver on the ads and calling out of Mexico is Raywin Guerrero. And we're talking all about mental health, about to transition into the topic of how we can do better at a system level. Because I know, Ray, this is something that you've gotten to uh, see, get some insight with doing the international banking stuff. And that's actually my first question here. Um, and I've certainly seen as well working in schools. And it's... um. It's kind of scary, but it's also really encouraging over the last year because I have seen mental health get so much worse than ever before. However, because of this, it is almost becoming normalized to talk about now. Um, people that I never would have thought would be like okay with you know, uh, me bringing up mental health issues or understand those are like, yeah, no, I've been dealing with that too. So um, let's just keep it simple in the beginning. You were doing international banking and I know that you were trying to bring like these, I mean, more or less wellness programs to these people. So my first question for you is how did they respond to that? Was this something that you had to like force in or did you find people were like, wow, this is actually really cool. Like what was the response? Oh, wow. That's a mixed bag, this question. Um, <laughs> let's see how I can answer this. So I had one very senior leader um, support all the work that I was doing, but I weirdly enough got a lot of resistance from my peers because I was working in human resources. And um, so there were some aspects of the business that were all for it. And then believe it or not, the people who were supposed to help me push it for the HR people, they were the ones that I met with the most resistance from. So how did it work really well? I think we had to start with data. So rather than just saying, oh, we're going to have a well-being program, it was like, well, why do we need a well-being program? So I, I spent a lot of time pulling together the, um, the cost of ill health um, and all the different manifestations of that. So stuff from the insurance companies, stuff from occupational health, um, absence days. Uh, and like I said, getting that data, like things like that, like the absence data was very, very tricky because they didn't really want to record absence. They, didn't, they only ever recorded like long-term absence if someone was like off because they'd had cancer or something like that or a stroke or whatever. But they never sort of like looked at, you know, the odd day here and there, which is what was, um, you know, that was a big cost. And then there's also the, the presenteeism cost, the people who were still coming into work but weren't really with it or present or necessarily being productive. So, you know, we pulled together all these costs. And I remember at the time, this is, I don't know, maybe 20. 
2013, 2012, 2013. So it was a while ago, probably coming up to 10 years. My God, can't believe it. Um, you know, back then it was like 1.2 billion pounds, which is close to, I don't know, now in, in today's money uh, or in dollars, um, probably about nearly about $1.7 billion hmm. um, globally of what it was costing for people to be off work, to be dealing with, you know, therapists and all that stuff because the culture just wasn't conducive to actually facilitating health. So yes, it became more and more acceptable to discuss mental health. Um, and that was where I think I, I kind of started butting heads with people because I believe that there was more that you could do than just discuss it. I thought there was stuff that you could, there was action that you could take. And there was this huge campaign called This Is Me because it was all about breaking down stigma and getting employees to come out and talk about, um, talk about the fact that they were neurodiverse, let's say. So people with depression or schizophrenia or, um, you know, and we had a lot of those. We had a lot of neurodiverse people. In fact, a lot of, a lot of uh, people with Asperger's syndrome tend to be extremely good with numbers and figures. So they w would work in, you know, in um, research and development or in quants. The quants were um, quantitative analytics. They were really, really good at that. And they tend to be very neurodiverse. So, um, and they would have struggle with social interaction. That was the, one of the other things. The social anxiety was kind of a common, and which is why, um, you know, the, the culture in banking was that people would get together for drinks because that would break down a lot of inhibitions and allow people to connect more. Um, now, how did this pan out for me, like, long term? Well, obviously, I ended up leaving and starting my own business. So <laughs> I, I think I started pushing against um, the mainstream because I wanted to take it a step further than us just talking about problems and actually coming up with solutions for problems. Um, so I kind of thought that it was mostly a PR exercise and I didn't like feeling like all the things that I had been researching because that's, like I said, I figured I found out about functional medicine during that time. Um, and I wanted to do more with it and I wanted to introduce sort of like functional medicine programs for like senior leaders and incorporate health coaching. Um, but the, you know, the, the company was very content to just kind of do the basics. And I always say that, you know, corporate well-being, unfortunately, to this day is probably still very much a checkbox exercise. Um, and that's why I, I walked away because I didn't feel like I wanted to keep checking boxes. I actually wanted to move the needle and I wanted to see people get well and I wanted to see more than lip service being paid to it. So um, the, <laughs> that's a really, I don't know if that answered your question, but it was like, yes, I had, I had like green lights from one person, but I had a lot of red lights and amber lights from other people. And you have to really get stakeholder buy-in in that environment, um, like majority stakeholder buy-in too. So you need to have like everybody on board in order to get your programs pushed through. Um, and <clears throat> there are global things that are still happening there. I'm still connected to one or two of my colleagues in that space ex-colleagues, sorry. Um, and they're still, they're still trying to do things like they were looking to create like a mobile, um, like a, an app that people could kind of track their, uh, you know, track their numbers, like knowing your numbers was a big thing. But it was, again, it was still sort of like basics, like know your cholesterol and like, and the questionnaires for the, you know, for knowing that kind of thing were like, oh, don't eat fat. And, you know, it was still sort of like that basic 1980s way of looking at things. And I'm kind of like, we're in 2012 come on we can do better <laughs> you know we've yeah. got actual science and evidence-based approaches to knowing how the brain works and a lot of it was sort of dismissed as being oh it was a fad like paleo was a fad you know um and it's not you know we know that there's really good science behind people avoiding certain things and avoiding grains and eating more protein so um so yeah i 
Uh, short answer, it was it was sort of like yes and no at the same time. I had like green lights, but also lots of lots of blockages and challenges. Okay, understood. And no, that was a wonderful answer. It's kind of what I suspected. In fact, it seemed like there was actually more good uh, to it than I suspected because I felt like that could be a damn near impossible to implement something like that at all. Or And yeah, you're going to get a lot of resistance. And that's why... It's not that I would wish this, but it is a blessing in disguise what happened the last year because even like students that I'm talking to, we thought we were going to get butchered doing the online thing. You know, like you could be the best speaker Mm -hmm. in the world doing it online on Zoom. They're supposed to be in class. They can have their videos off. I'm like, this isn't going to work. And I find we're getting more attention than ever before because 90% of the damn classroom can relate to the feelings that we're talking about when we're mentioning Mm -hmm. things like the dry mouth or, hey, I'm always feeling nervous or, or something like that. So again, I would never wish this upon the world, but you know, maybe there is a positive to this because, yeah, now if you walk into a corporate place and 70% of people or 80% of people have felt this and they get it, well, at the very least, they're going to respect someone's efforts like yourself of trying to implement these things. So, I mean, I think that's wonderful. And you talked about, you know, having to, I mean, basically having to move to be self-employed, which I found myself because there is no place in this world other than FDN that is going to allow me to honor the things I need to do to be healthy and still get the work done. It just doesn't work like like that so this is just kind of a fun question i mean are do you think we're just moving into a more self-employed or like digital world like are we just gonna have to do this because i don't understand how people are going to keep doing 60 70 hours a week you know in the corporate building eating like crap i mean they're killing themselves well i think the great thing like you know you mentioned that the silver lining in the whole um global pandemic is that that move to being online that was very much frowned upon and working from home that was something that was so frowned upon in my my world my old world that is not that's no longer a barrier right and people can work from home and they can look after themselves and they can exercise when they want and they've got complete autonomy and you know one of the things that leads to a lot of anxiety is that lack of feeling of control right and not feeling like you have control over your life and not you know and and feeling like I'm, i'm out of control and someone else is managing the show and you don't have a say in what's going on with you and i think what's happened with the the pandemic is that it's given people that sense of control again some people i mean some I think a lot of people are medicating in other ways as well. You know, they're eating all the cakes and cookies and having lots of wine, which is how I think it initially started off. Because <laughs> um, I started seeing a lot of people just like, just in my own neighborhood in the UK, like they were going out at 10 o'clock in the morning and coming back with bottles of wine. And I was a little bit worried. I was like, well, I think we might have a problem here. <laughs> well, <laughs> because everyone first... thinks they're like on vacation being in lockdown. <laughs> yeah. Those first couple months you know? of the pandemic were rough. You know, like in the back of my head, I'm like, you know, this is it. So this really might be the end. Might as well enjoy our ourselves right <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I, I get that but I think what was kind of disturbing is like even months later that was still happening and you still hear about people saying oh well I've got no pleasure in life you know I had a client tell me that two days ago when I you know she said she started back drinking wine and I said well you know that's not part of your plan right and I'm not judging I just said well when I said when did you start drinking again and she's like oh over Easter I said well your 90 days aren't up yet and she said I know but I have no pleasure in life we're in lockdown she's in Ireland she's like oh, we're in lockdown in Ireland and we can't go out and the weather's crap and I'm stuck at home with my kids all day and I have to work and and she's like I've got nothing anymore and I said well okay let's turn that around right away like what do you have you know so I'm always sort of like trying to get people into the headspace of like you know what are the gifts that you've got right around you right now so um 
so, you know, we worked on that a little bit and she's like, you know what, you're right. And when I explained like how it was impacting her estrogen and how that was impacting her weight, because that was one of the biggest things she wanted to work on balancing her weight. And why couldn't she lose weight? And we looked and we saw, yeah, she had some gut dysbiosis and her estrogen was out of whack and, you know, her thyroid hormone was pretty low. Um, I, I, when I kind of linked it back to that, I just said, look, you know, if you keep drinking the wine, it's going to keep impacting your estrogen and your thyroid hormone's never going to be where we want it to be. And you're never going to really lose the weights you're going to slow down your thyroid and everything's going to become even harder for you mm -hmm. and her face is just like oh okay thanks okay no i'm not going to do that anymore <laughs> like, thank god <laughs> you know um so but i i get that for people it was really really hard to like to deprive them to feel deprived you know because so much was being taken away and i think that feeling of things being taken away we have to kind of counter it with like, well, what do we actually get out of this? And like, we get more time being at home, right? And how many of us like have, have homes that we spent hundreds of thousands of dollars or pounds on and that we can't actually live in because all we've done is spend time outside of them. You know, I remember my, my apartment, which was beautiful. I would only see it when it was time to go to bed or if I had to shower in the morning and get up and go to work and then, you know, getting trapped in the pandemic meant that I was like, Oh my God, I'm here all the time. Yes. <laughs> you know? And um, so, so yeah, the silver lining was that, Oh, I actually really like, I like my space. Or if you didn't like your space, it was a time to actually, well, what can I do to make this space that I now have to live in? What can I do to make it enjoyable and make it pleasurable? And, you know, I started, you know, getting more plants and, you know, I'm spending a lot of time indoors. So I wanted a lot of like plants that would purify my air. So I started like looking into how can I get plants that would do that, you know, to start cleaning up the air that I was breathing because I was inside all the time. And, um, and, and it was winter when, when it all happened last year. Um, you know, so it wasn't like we could be spending a ton of time outside. And in the UK, winters are pretty grim. Like there's a lot of rain, a lot of hail. Um, Double very whammy. Unpleasant. So, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't really the greatest time, to be honest. But, you know, rather than sort of like going into like, oh, man, like I'm being deprived and life stinks. Like, well, what can we do? Like, wow, I get to I get to leverage my online business if that's something or I get to work from home if you've never been able to work from home before. And working from home is actually pretty enjoyable because you can work at your own pace. You don't have to commute for an hour you know, an, an hour back. Um, so that's like two hours out of your day that you get back, that you actually get to devote to yourself or to your family or just, you know, to just doing nothing. I had a lot of people tell me like, I actually find that I really enjoy doing nothing. People who were previously, you know, type A's and just like, go, go, go. Like, I really like just sitting down for like 20 minutes and doing nothing. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Like, that's actually how you reset your nervous system, you know? So yeah, I feel like, I feel like there were some gifts that were given to us in the middle of all that. And a lot of people have become a lot more health conscious. So that's why we're even having this conversation because of, of that situation, right? That people have become, they've, they've woken up a little bit. Maybe not a lot, but they're, they're starting to. And I feel like that for me, that's a win, you know, in my world. So that's a win. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I mean, just want to get you a little bit of the way and then you can take take it from there. <laughs> something is stirring definitely in the health world and in many other systems as well. Right. We, we've all become kind of uh, awakened. I like that term to different things that are not going so well and things that we need to change. And we're going to talk about a little bit more with the system side of things, what we can do to make these things better. And then, of course, Ray wins business right after this final commercial break. Calling all teachers, school staff, and parents. Do you need mental health professional who can speak your student's language? Do you wish someone could come into your school, either in person or virtually, and deliver a message of hope when it comes to dealing with mental health challenges? If so, head to evantransu.com. That's E-V-A-N-T-R-A-N-S-U-E.com. 
outside the radio show, one of health coach Ev's job is speaking to students about his own mental health journey and why it's completely okay to ask for help. Evan has spoken to over 10,000 students in the last few years, and his presentations are guaranteed to get your students more comfortable with talking about their struggles. Go to evantranzu.com and click the contact button to hop on the phone with Ev and plan your event together. Does the pandemic have your hair looking a little funky? Did people stop and glance at you while you walk down the street? Folks, hair salons have been open for a while now. It's time to get their hair cut. You've been procrastinating. And when you do it, you should head to Hair Envisions in Ottsville, PA. Hair Envisions is open Tuesday through Saturday. They specialize in coloring and also offer keratin treatments that give you give your hair a smooth finish. Hair Envisions offer haircuts for all ages so you can bring the whole family. Schedule your appointment today by calling 610-847-8894. That's 610-847-8894. Tell them Health Coach Ev sent you. And we are back. Welcome to the Health Coach Ev Show, where we are leveling the playing field around physical and mental health. I'm your host, Evan Transu, a.k.a. Health Coach Ev. We got Oliver on the ads today and calling out of Mexico, Raywin Guerrero. We got about eight minutes left in the show. Um, one of those shows is just flowing by, uh, flying by, and I admit I do say that every single time, but it's because I love our guests. I have great conversations with these people on this um, show. So I want to make sure people get to hear... Um, your biz, Ray, and where they can find you. But before we do that, I did want to kind of touch a little bit more on the system side of things because, you know, it seems, and I could be wrong, but from your background and your bio and what we've talked about before, I mean, it seems like you have more experience in at least trying to do something about this and like almost like acting as an advocate. I mean, what do we, like, what would you love to see at a governmental level, I guess, even if it's local, that can help support these mental health issues that people of all ages are having? Because like, I feel like I know what we need to do in the schools. I mean, I'm not saying I have the, all the answers. I feel like I know a little bit. But I don't even know what a normal corporate job is like. So, I mean, what do we need to do at a government level, if anything, or should they just stay out of it? I mean, I I don't think we should wait on the government to do anything for us. But what I would like to see more of is, you know, um, if they were going to, let's say that I was the president or the prime minister, depending on where you are, um, you know, I would want to see more proactive approaches to health through nutrition. Right. I would love to see that they work with functional diagnostic nutrition practitioners or naturopaths or functional medicine health coaches or whatever it is in that space that looks at things from a holistic view. Um, you know, so because right now we've got this divide between the mental and the physical and there's no integration of the two. Um, and that's what I saw with my corporate job. It's like, well, we have physiologists who are dealing with physical stuff, like people dealing with musculoskeletal problems. Oh, go see the physiologist. Or if you had like high cholesterol, go talk to the physiologist. But they, and then with the mental health stuff, it's like, oh, call the EAP hotline, you know, and you were speaking to these counselors who did not really have a good understanding of what was going on in people's lives who were very far removed and would give very basic information like oh go out have you thought about going outside for a walk like we don't want that we want people who actually have really in-depth understanding and i feel like that's why you know yourself myself our fellow fdns and other functional medicine practitioners we've all come at this from a place of 
you know, so a personal journey. We have gone, we've been in the trenches. We know what it's like to experience some of these things. So we're not coming at it from a place of like being theoretical or academic. This is experiential for us. And we are the people who are best placed to, to guide and advise and direct the way that things go next. So I feel like if, if the government was going to work with anybody, they need to work with what I call wounded warriors uh, or wounded healers, um, because we're the ones who have been there and we're the ones who know what works. We understand the, the importance of bio-individuality. We know what that means, that a one-size approach does not fit all. And just from like I was telling you about my, my cost-benefits analysis back in 2012 or 2013, whenever it was that I did that, you know, the cost of being unwell, of being mentally unwell is so high. Like if you allocated 1% of that or even 0.1% of it into being proactive and hiring and employing like an army of health coaches or functional practitioners, the impact would be so enormous. You'd get so many people off of medications. It would be unreal. Um, and I, I wonder how you feel about that, because obviously you're working. I didn't realize you were working with children or teenagers. Is that correct, Evan? Like you work with children? Yeah, it's uh, indirectly. Like I'll go into a school either in person or virtually, and we're doing uh, talks in the forms of either a health class or an assembly. Yes. Yeah, so even that, the impact of influencing the way that kids or younger people feel about food and their relationship with food and their relationship around their mental health and self-worth, I feel like that's such a great place to begin. So if the government was going to do anything, yes, I think businesses can take care of their employees. But if we were going to start at the ground level, I would start there. I would start with young people. I would start with schools. I would start with health coaches in schools. And when I say health coaches, I mean functional ones, not the <laughs> other types of health coaches. With no, like, no disrespect to them. I used to be one of them. I had done my IIN training back in, in 2016. And then I, I jumped ship and went straight into functional medicine um, because I realized, like, well, that was – I think we need to start educating people about the, the importance of bio-individuality and that what, what – works for one person doesn't always work for the other and that there's a there are ways to test for what works for that person so testing is important that functional lab work is so important so um that would be if i was if i was in a leadership position and you know that i could influence policy would be you know instead of insurance companies doing these basic tests and being able to cover that it'd be like can they cover the cost of functional lab work because everyone who comes to me is like oh is this covered by insurance and i'm like no it's out of pocket and I'm like well it's too expensive i can't do it and it's not because they don't value their health but i guess because they've been kind of stuck in that model of thinking well my health should be covered by insurance because i'm already paying for it um then why can't we just do it that way or couldn't we create a system where it's like you pay your practitioner to keep you well which is what i know the ancient chinese used to do right old chinese medicine was about you you only you paid your practitioner um to keep you healthy right you didn't go to them when you were sick you did it as like as being proactive like you paid into looking after yourself in advance mm -hmm. um so i don't know how you feel about that but i feel like that's a pretty smart model <laughs> well no I, of course i feel the same way because that's and it, i feel so bad because the system you know a lot of people in our space and i know you and i don't do this no one from fdn does this which is great but they they condemn the local pharmacist or the local doctor i'm like guys that's not the problem i mean they yeah. are a part yeah. of an inherently flawed system that relies mm -hmm. on you and I being sick for them to make money. Mm -hmm. What the hell are they supposed to do? You know, mm -hmm. um, it, it's really tough. So, all right, we got about two minutes left, Ray. I want to know, first of all, where can people um, find you? And like, who is your ideal client? Who's the person that if they have these character traits, you're like, yes, I love working with this type of individual. 
Oh, wow. Nobody's ever asked me that before. Um, where can you find me? Well-works.co.co. Okay. So, and then I'm on Instagram as wellworks.co. I have a wonderful Facebook group that I would love more and more people to join. We've probably got about 450 members in it right now. Um, I share content in there all the time and resources and videos and things that I'm doing and um, all around mental health, around thyroid and all the things that impact mental health as well, like your thyroid and your gut, um, which is sort of like the two main things that were huge for me and that I see over and over again in my practice. Um, and my ideal client, um, now that I think about it, um, let's call her Elena. Um, she is driven, dynamic to figure out what's going on with her. She understands that she needs to connect dots and she's open to being coached. And she's probably a woman in her mid-30s to mid-50s who's having some of the exact same symptoms that I went through in a corporate world, in the corporate world, um, you know, feeling a little bit burnt out and exhausted, not sleeping well, having some gut issues. But she's so motivated and driven to get the answers and to invest in herself. And, to, and even if it takes six months, she's prepared to do that. She's just like, look, I'm all in. That's the person. This is what I need to do in order to get well. I'll do whatever you say. That's my ideal client right there. <laughs> That's wonderful. Ray, thank you so much for being here with us today. Pleasure. So fun. Thank you, Evan. Thanks for having me. Oliver, real quick, where, website, something where people can find you, Instagram? Uh, just Instagram at Oliver Phalant. That's F-E-H-L-A-N-D-T. That's where I'm mostly at, Instagram. Awesome. Well, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Health Coach Ev Show, where we are leveling the playing field around physical and mental health. As always, I'm your host, Evan Transu, a.k.a. Health Coach Ev, and we've been talking with Oliver and Raywin Guerrero today. You can find Ray at well-works.co, and as always, you can get in contact with me by heading over to evantransu.com.